cigarette, try the taste of Kent. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Jimmy Pop, and I'm a dumb white guy. Good evening and welcome to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Wednesday, April the 30th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Santa now, I'm hung like planet Pluto. Hard to see with the naked eye, but if I crash into Uranus, I would stick to where the sun don't shine. Kind of like a Han Solo. You wanna go The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Yeah, 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 oh, man, big rush, yo, 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 there is that a new pig, hey, good evening and welcome to the show, why it's me, your old pal, the jester, it's Wednesday, April the 30th. The year of our Lord, 2008, and we're coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. So don't try and track us down or anything. Okay, it seems we have an emergency situation uh, right now we need to turn our attention to. 
um, apparently, what um, I'm being told is the greatest uh, sound man alive. Now, I'm not sure if that means um, that he's a great sound man or he's a great guy. But apparently, one or the other, he's having some kind of um, a bad oxycontin trip. And uh, let's see, we need to get in touch with him right away, I'm told, and see if we can't uh, talk him down from this. It's uh, Eddie, the uh, smartest, uh, greatest, uh, smartest sound man alive. Let's see if we can get him on the phone. Uh, he's apparently he's he's tripping on oxy, uh, having a bad trip. Is this Eddie? That's why. Are you Eddie? Eddie, are you there, bud? Talk to me. It's the jester. You're live on the air. Are you okay, bud? All right. You know what? I'm being told he's having difficulty with the English language, and uh, I need to uh, I need to give it another shot. So we're gonna <laughs> call it again. He's not the uh, sound man from the Motley Crew, incidentally, in case there's any confusion. But Tommy Lee was. Hello, hanging my name is Eddie. I'm in a loud music situation right now. Just leave a message, and as soon as this noise stops, I will call you back. Bye bye. Wow. That was pretty. Please begin recording at the tone. That was pretty. Hey, uh, Eddie, it's the Jester. We're uh, calling live. Uh, give us a call six four six five zero two eighty six hundred, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully um, we'll 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 talk you down from this uh, bad experience, bud. Just hang in there, okay? Six four six five zero two eighty six hundred. It's the it's the Jester. It's your old pal. So I'm now I'm being told now that he apparently is afraid that it's the <laughs> the government <laughs> that's been calling him. So and I can understand that. Um so yeah, so we'll keep our eye on this guy. Hopefully he won't um, have any kind of issue before we get around to him. Time to turn our attention to the headlines. Bob, thanks. From high atop Jess Radio Studios in a secret location. Outside your universe, it's time now for the Jess Radio News. White House said today, um, hey, you're on the uh, air live with the Jester. Who's calling? Hey, this is Espo. I'm going to hand over Eddie, see what happens. All right, let's see if we can get... uh, Hello. Hey, can you hear me, bud? Hello, yeah. Hey. I'm in the French Quarter in New Orleans. I want to know why you call me. Yeah, I hear that uh, you are the smartest sound guy in the world. Is that true? I'm the smartest sound guy in the world. Where did you hear that from? What do you mean? Everybody says it. What are you talking about? Everybody's... Uh, Everybody's saying that you're the number one and the smartest sound dude... Who have you uh, d- done uh, sound for, for example? Uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, Agnostic Front. Uh, I prefer to do things off the side. And, In other words, uh, I'm not squeamish. I gotcha. 
and uh, and so what type of uh, and what have you been doing lately? Uh, waiting on a phone call like this. Oh, I see. But I mean, uh, you, you have, uh, have you? I'm able to tour, but I would rather uh, teach people how to do what I do. Oh, you're a teacher! Wow, that's amazing. That's very cool. Very noble. And um, uh, noble, <laughs> not in this Yeah, it's like the most noble thing you could do is to teach others, don't you think? Uh, I teach people how to do this. So this being, you know, uh, what exactly? You're a, a sound engineer. You're a, you're uh, you work on a mixing console. Tell the folks a little bit of, about what you do. Uh, I'm a technician. Uh, I can get things done. If well, you know what I mean. Well, I think I do. If the band has a drug problem, I can solve that. And uh, and tell me, they have a sound problem, especially with tears past nineteen thirties, I can solve that. What I'm are you right now in the French Quarter at Pirate Alley? Uh, what do you do about when there's like that? And I don't care. What do you do about that sixty? Have a job offer, or I can do it. What do you do about that 60-cycle hum when you get that? How do you get rid of that? Uh, that's very easy. Uh, what you do is you have... You have a four-way parametric EQ. Right. What you do is you isolate that hum in each of the channels and then drop it. You can't solve it because... Uh, that's either a stage problem, uh, which means it's, uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Basically, that means it's standing wave. And now let me ask you this. In your personal experience okay. with all these guys, with Jimmy Page and all these guys, what's your, what's your experience with them in terms of the, uh, the, the, the other two ingredients in rock and roll, sex and drugs? What's up with that? I guess the show to go on. I know, but what about your observations about the, 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 all the blowjobs and all the coke and all the, the uh, herb and all that shit going on yeah, backstage? It has nothing to do with the show. What's that? It has nothing to do with the show at all. Really? Wow. Uh, and that's your experience? It, it just it doesn't the show interfere? Has to go on. The show I goes think on. Everybody knows what that word means. In other words, you have to get the show to go on. It doesn't matter. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you being on the air with us, Eddie, and I do hope you're taking good care. Drink plenty of coffee, black coffee now. It's time to uh, cut down on those uh, oxy, okay? Oh, I don't care about that. All right, buddy. The show going on. All right, buddy. You take it easy, all right? Thanks uh, for calling in. That was uh, Eddie, the smartest sound guy in rock and roll history apparently and uh, appreciate him for calling in he's calling in from uh, the um, some uh, club down in uh, the French Quarter in New Orleans and uh, he apparently is the guy that introduced Jimmy Page to his wife Patricia how do you like that meanwhile the White House said today that President Bush had paid a price for the mission accomplished banner that was flown in triumph five years ago but later became a symbol of U.S. misjudgments 
and mistakes in the long and costly war in Iraq. Today is the fifth anniversary of Bush's dramatic landing in a Navy jet on an aircraft carrier homebound for the war. The USS Abraham Lincoln had launched thousands of airstrikes on Iraq. Major combat operations in Iraq have ended, Bush said at the time. The Battle of Iraq is one victory in a war on terror that began on September 11, 2001, and still goes on. The Mission Accomplished banner was prominently displayed above him, a move the White House came to regret as the display was mocked and became a source of controversy. Mission accomplished five years ago today. And don't you feel like it's all just wrapped up and in the past, just a blip in the, on the historical horizon? Black and white voters in next week's primary states agreed on one thing today. Barack Obama's preacher hurt the Democratic presidential candidate at a crucial time. The question was, how much? Larry Sharp said he saw it coming, even if his friend did not. Watching Obama's former minister speak on national TV this week, the friend thought that the Reverend Jeremiah Wright was making sense and putting an end to recent controversies that had rocked uh, Obama's campaign. But I said, no, it's going to kill him, said Sharp, a black Democrat who was intensely following Obama's battle with Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton. North Carolina and Indiana uh, hold primaries on Tuesday. Um, and uh, voters' reactions there to the right affair will help uh, determine whether Clinton continues her recent string of victories over Obama, who still leads, by the way, in the delegate count. Sharp, 59, in some ways beat Obama to the mark after a full day of rather tepid efforts to distance himself from Wright's fiery remarks to the National Press Club. The Illinois senator called a news conference today to denounce the retired pastor, or rather yesterday, in severe tones, a tacit admission that his ties to Wright were damaging his campaign. So maybe he came around a little too late. Meanwhile, Barack is closing a Democratic presidential uh, rival Hillary Rodham Clinton's advantage among superdelegates, building on his lead in the primary race even as he faces troubled times. Party leaders are encouraging superdelegates to pick a side by late June to prevent the fight from going to the national convention in August, and it seems some are listening as the race enters its final five weeks of voting. Chelsea Clinton got a superdelegate for her mom while campaigning in Puerto Rico today just as Obama Press Secretary Bill Burton sent out a statement announcing the support of Representative Lois Capps. The statement didn't mention the personal connection Capps is Burton's mother-in-law. Clinton had a big jump start among superdelegates, many of whom have ties to the Clintons and backed her candidacy early on, but most of the superdelegates taking side recently have gone to Obama who has won more state contests. Obama trails Clinton by just 21 supers 243 to 264, cutting her lead in less than half, uh, in half, I should say, in less than two weeks, two months, rather. This week, uh, he picked up uh, seven delegates, and uh, she, she picked up four. So it's got nothing to do with what you and I want or who you and I want as president. It's what these particular people, apparently, it's all about them. Whoever the fuck they are. Hey, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Start you off with some Percy Sledge. When a man loves a woman, can't keep his mind on nothing else. You know what I'm talking about. Leave it right where it is on Jester Radio.
good thing he's found If she and Betty can't see it She can do no wrong Turn his back on his best friend If he put her down out in the rain <laughs> just do any fucking thing she tells him to do Percy Sledge on Jester Radio you're tuned into the ravings of a clown this Wednesday April the 30th if you're just tuning in you missed our uh, phone call earlier with Eddie the smartest man the smartest sound man I should say in the history of rock and roll but he didn't uh, he wasn't too um, on the ball tonight and he thought we were calling from the government he was very worried. For for nine decades after Bolshevik executioners gunned down Tsar Nicholas II and his family, there were no traces of the remains of Crown Prince Alexei, the hemophiliac heir to the Russia's throne. Some say the delicate 13-year-old had somehow survived and escaped. Others believed his bones were lost in Russia's vastness, burned in secret uh, amid fear and chaos as the country lurched into civil war. Now... An official says DNA tests have solved the mystery by identifying bone shards found in a forest as those of Alexei and his sister, Grand Duchess Maria. The remains of their parents, Nicholas II and Empress Alexandra, and three siblings, including the Tsar's youngest daughter, Anastasia, were unearthed in 1991 and reburied in the Imperial Resting Place in St. Petersburg, the Russian Orthodox Church made all seven of them saints back in 2000. Despite the earlier discoveries and ceremonies, the absence of Alexei's 
And Maria's remains gnawed at the descendants of the Romanov dynasty, history buffs and royalists. Even if today's announcement is confirmed and widely accepted, many descendants of the royal family are uh, unlikely to be fully assuaged. They seek formal rehabilitation by the government. The tragedy of the Tsar's family will only end when the family is declared victims of political repression, said German uh, Lukyanov, a lawyer for the uh, royal descendants. Nicholas abdicated in 1917 as revolutionary fervor swept Russia, and he and his family were detained. Uh, They were shot by firing squad on July 17, 1918, in the uh, basement of the uh, Yekaterinburg house where they were being held. I kept them in there for a few months, and then they finally just hurled them all into a room. Go step on the plastic. And they just gunned them down. U.S. troops won't have to reveal all their mental health counseling when applying for security clearances under a change. The Pentagon hopes will ease the stigma of seeking help for combat stress. Just Radio has learned Defense Secretary Robert Gates plans to announce the new policy tomorrow, according to several defense officials. Thousands of troops are coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan with war-related anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress, but many hesitate to get psychiatric care because they fear that could cost them their security clearances, harm their careers, and embarrass them before their commanders and comrades. Gates is trying to remove one impediment, revising a question about mental health treatment that appears on the form required by the Office of Personnel Management, the agency that does the majority of investigations for security clearances to military and civilian federal workers. They spoke on condition of anonymity. Currently, question 21 on the form asks applicants whether they have consulted a mental health professional in the past seven years, and if so... They're asked to list the names, addresses, and dates they saw the doctor or therapist unless it was for marriage or grief counseling and not related to violent behavior. The amended question Gates has approved is less stringent. It essentially means troops would not have to worry about therapy they get for difficulty caused by their wartime tours of duty or other missions. Uh, It's progress. I think it'll help, said Paul Rykoff. Executive Director of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, they need to be followed by a mental health campaign, not just for service members, but for their families as well. I really do think it's a significant evolution. Just for the Army to even acknowledge the fact that there is an emotional and psychological component to being at, at war is a huge advancement. A young girl who's missing and presumed dead had been repeatedly beaten and locked in a closet for hours because she wet herself, according to an indictment released today. The 60-count indictment against Aaron Thompson paints a grim picture of brutality against his daughter, um, Arine. Arine, her name is pronounced. A-A-R-O-N-E. Arine and seven other children in his suburban Aurora, Colorado home. Investigators believe Irene may have died as early as 2003. When she was four years old, Thompson reported her missing in November of 2005 when she would have been six. The indictment accuses Thompson of fatal child abuse, concealing a death for two years, assault with a deadly weapon, and conspiracy. It also implicates Thompson's girlfriend, Shelley Lowe, who died in May 2006 of heart problems. 
Thompson faces up to 54 years in, pr- in prison if convicted on all counts. He's jailed on half a million dollars bond, has refused to cooperate with investigators. Uh, the indictment was issued in May of 07, but wasn't made public until the Denver Post and the Associated Press sued to gain access under open records law. The indictments said the abuse took place between May 12th, 02, and August 31st, 04. At least one child living in the home told police that A. Renee would have been uh, placed in a closet for hours as punishment for wetting herself. The other children told police the couple sometimes took them to the basement, ordered them to strip naked, and whooped them with a baseball bat, belts, cords, broomstick, magazine, often leading leaving scars, the indictment said. A. Renee was scarred from beating, suffered from undernourishment, uh, hadn't been given medical care. Uh, the last picture of her family could provide investigators was taken during a 2002 vacation to Grand Canyon. She was not enrolled in school, even though at the time she was reported missing, she would have uh, been in the first grade. The couple told the other children and police that she moved to Michigan to live with her mother, uh, Thompson reported his, uh, his daughter missing November 14th, uh, 2005, telling police she had run away after an argument over a cookie. The indictment said Lowe made a, uh, told a male acquaintance in 04 that A. Renee had stopped breathing in a bathtub and that when Thompson and Lowe couldn't revive her, they buried her body in a faraway field. Uh, Lowe told the acquaintance that uh, A. Renee appeared to exhale, exhale her last breath as they covered her with dirt. They decided they would have to get rid of her body because there was a scar on her back from where they disciplined her. The acquaintance told police that Lowe's main concern was that social services or police would take the other children. He said he believed A. Renee died in the summer or fall of 03. Her body has never been found. Holy crap. What a fucking world, huh? This one goes out to Eddie. Your game, 
What that woman law she been doing to me Can't you see Oh can't you see What that woman she been doing to me coming back gonna get me a southbound all the way to georgia till the train run out of track <laughs> which makes you wonder a they can't be starting out much farther north of the uh mason dixon line uh it's marshall tucker band so they were already down south and where what southbound train from wherever they're starting out where north carolina would be the northernmost point to all the way to Georgia is where the train runs out of the track. <laughs> That's the end of the line. What is that, like an hour and 45 minutes? Hey, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Marshall Tucker Band, can't you see Led Zeppelin started that set uh, for Eddie, who I understand is still on the phone <laughs> with us. Your time is going to come, old boy. A scientist with the Missouri Botanical Garden has rediscovered and identified a rare parasitic plant that hasn't been seen by botanists in more than 20 years. A single specimen of the plant was found in Mexico back in 1985, but the plant wasn't seen again until St. Louis botanist George Yachevich and a colleague found it in a pine oak forest in Mexico's mountains. The plant, which is uh, he's identifying and naming for the first time, is not a classic beauty, the odd orange-brown fleshy-stemmed plant, which will have the formal Latin name for the Little Hermit of Mexico, has a pine cone-shaped dense cluster of flowers and juicy celery-like stalks. But to Yachevich, it's weird and wonderful. I've always been interested in plants that don't conform to our preconceived notion of what a plant should be, he said. Beauty is in the beholder's eye, and this plant is wonderful in so many ways. You can't call it ugly, but on the other hand, I recognize it's not everyone's cup of tea. Wait, Thomas, scientist at the New York Botanical Garden, was looking for other plants in Mexico when he encountered a single specimen of the plant in 1985. He cut a piece of it, kept a dried, pressed specimen at the institution. 
He sent queries and photos of it to fellow botanists, but no one recognized or claimed it, he said. Not even the late Henry Heckard, who was the leading North American expert on parasitic plants. It went unrecognized because parasitic plants, when dried, don't maintain their color and structure well. Sat around for a long time. But by luck, he met an Austrian botanist who referred him to Yachevich, who's writing a text for the encyclopedia Flora of North America, on the very family of flowers he believed that the Mexican plant was in. Plants in the family Orobanchaceae attaches parasites on the roots of host plants. Photosynthesis, the process by which plants use sunlight and water to create energy in the form of sugar, is hard work, Yachevich said, and these parasitic plants have developed a way to steal their food and hence survive in habitats that otherwise might be unhospitable. How fucking cool is that? They found a new plant. Texas Child Welfare Authorities are looking at the possibility that young boys were sexually abused at a polygamous sex ranch, a newly revealed angle of a massive investigation triggered by allegations that girls were forced into underage marriages and sex. Carrie Corkwell, the head of the state's Department of Family and Protective Services, told state lawmakers today his agency was investigating whether young boys were abused based on discussions with the boys. In a written report, the agency said interviews and journal entries suggested young boys may have been sexually abused, but he didn't elaborate. Cockrell said that uh, 41 FLDS children were evidence, uh, showed evidence of broken bones, some of whom were very young. Uh, he offered no details in his presentation to the Senate Health and Human Services Committee. He went to the lieutenant governor's office immediately after his presentation and later sent out an aide to tell uh, the reporters that he had no further comment. So now they think the, they were, they were d diddling the boys on top of everything else. So the shit just keeps rolling out. And I saw another fucking uh, interview. You know, I, I keep talking about this Larry King interview I saw a couple of weeks ago where these, like, three hypnotized, uh, you know, um, Stepford wife type, women were saying, I, I haven't seen any such thing. He was going, you know, have you seen them marrying the young kids, the young girls? Have they been marrying very young? And like the first one went, not that I have seen, Mr. King. And he goes, uh, uh, what about you, uh, Lucy? Have you seen? Not that I have seen, Larry. So they were all like, <laughs> and today I saw another um, interview, uh, another one of these you know, talking heads from TV. I don't remember which one. Stuck a microphone in this lady's, you know, in these three ladies who were standing around looking like they were, you know, just like stepped off the fucking uh, Mayflower, you know. And he goes, uh, well, what's this talk about all these young children being married? Have you seen a lot of that? And like two of them kind of like shrug their shoulders and one goes, no, no. And he goes, well, what's the youngest that you've seen? She goes, oh, uh, probably 16. And you know how you could just tell when someone's a lying sack of shit? I just so fucking wish that his next question was, does your religion permit you to lie to outside people because they don't understand? Because it was so fucking obvious that she was lying. Get this. Cher, you know Cher? She says she dated Tom Cruise when he was just a shy boy. The singer-actress discussed the relationship on an episode of the Oprah Winfrey show uh, taped uh, uh, on Saturday in Las Vegas. 
before a crowd of 4,000 people. The episode, which also features Tina Turner, is going to air on May 8th. Keep your eyes open for that. Whitney plans to feature Cruz during episodes airing Friday and Monday. She told Cher that when she was at Cruz's Colorado home recently, the actor stressed that Winfrey should say hello to Cher for him. So how much of a date was that, Winfrey asked, according to Advanced Remarks, released uh, today by Harpo Productions. Oh, that was a long date, Cher said. Really, I lived in his apartment. Cher is now 61. Cruz is 45. He was so wonderful, and I was so crazy about him, she said. Um, she's, um, and he was so different. He was a shy boy. He didn't have any money. Uh, it was uh, unclear from the remarks that were released exactly when the relationship took place. But in a similar interview in February to Entertainment Tonight, Cher indicated it was uh, after Cruz made Risky Business in 1983, but before he made The Color of Money in 86. So apparently he did have a heterosexual relationship with uh, a woman, a mannish kind of woman. Uh, if you will, but a woman nonetheless. I should have known you'd bid me farewell. It's a lesson, believe me. And I learned it very well. It's the circle on JR. Don't touch that dial. If I never hear your name again, it's all the same to me And I think it's gonna be alright Yeah, the worst is over now The morning sun is shining like a red rubber ball You never care for secrets I can find For you I'm just an ornament Something for your pride Always running, never caring That's the life you live Stolen minutes of your time Were all you had to give And I think it's gonna be alright Yeah, the worst is over now The morning sun is shining Like a red rubber
Todd Argent on Jester Radio. Hold your head up high, the circle. Before that, with Simon and Garfunkel's Red Rubber Ball, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown this Wednesday, April the 30th, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room. Why not stop by and say hi? 646-502-8600 gets you live on the air. With you-know-who, give us a call. You got something to say, I'm sure. Spit it out. David Blaine took on a zen-like appearance in the water tank as the minutes ticked by during his attempt to set a new breath-holding record. Oprah Winfrey, however, was anything but calm. She fidgeted in her chair, pursed her lips, placed her head in her hands, and kept seeking reassurance from the doctor at her side that the 35-year-old magician's uh, persistently high heart rate I'll be glad when it's over. I don't like suspense, she told the audience during a commercial break. Soon enough, Winfrey and Blaine could breathe a lot easier, submerged in a water-filled sphere on the stage of the Oprah Winfrey show during a live broadcast. Blaine held his breath, get this, for 17 minutes and four seconds. I'm actually running out of breath. I'm having a hard time breathing just reading the story. During a live broadcast, he did this. That bested the previous record of 16 minutes and 32 seconds, set back on February 10th by Switzerland's Peter Kolot. Uh, Blaine had a smile on his face. Soon after his head rose above the water, he took several deep gulps of air. Within about a minute, he was able to hold a microphone and tell Winfrey, I feel great. Later adding that the breaking the record was a fulfillment of a life t- lifelong dream. Before his attempt, Blaine was allowed to inhale pure oxygen for up to 30 minutes, although he only did it for 23 minutes. There was a Guinness World Records judge on hand to certify the feat. In May of 06, as a finale to a week spent in an aquarium with an air mask at New York's Lincoln Center, Blaine tried to set another type of breath-holding record without breathing pure oxygen beforehand. He tried to break the existing record of 8 minutes and 58 seconds, but uh, he had to be rescued after uh, about 7 minutes when he started. Uh, he went unconscious and started having a fit. Uh, he was in much better shape after Wednesday's attempt. He walked unassisted down a sta- set of stairs to join Winfrey for an interview. He told her that he had doubted while in the water whether he'd be able to break the record because of his high heart rate. The lower the heart rate, the less oxygen is consumed. He'd expected his heart rate to drop uh, as low as under 20 beats, but uh, uh, during the whole time, his heart rate never got less than 100 beats per minute. How do you like that? What a fucking thing. More than three out of four new moms now breastfeed their infants, the highest rate in the United States in at least 20 years, according to a government report released today. It's amazing to think that people are actually keeping track of this, and it's frightening to think that it's the fucking government. About 77% of new mothers breastfeed, at least briefly, up from 60% in 93, 94, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It looks like it's at an all-time high. Based on CDC surveys since the mid-80s, experts attributed the rise to education campaigns that emphasize that breast milk is better than formula at protecting babies against disease and childhood obesity. A changing culture that accommodates nursing mothers may also be a factor. The percentage of black infants who were breastfed rose most dramatically to 65%. Only 36 were ever breastfed in 93-94 For whites, the figure rose to 79% from 62, 
And for Mexicans, it increased to 80 from 67. Former U.S. Surgeon General Dr. David Satcher celebrated the report's findings, noting that black women have historically had lower breastfeeding rates. <laughs> so we're not just keeping track of what the babies are drinking, but we're keeping track of it by color. It was very impressive that when it comes to being uh, beginning to breastfeed, African-American women have had the greatest progress, said Satcher, who is now an administrator at Atlanta's Morehouse School of Medicine. The new report is based on a comprehensive federal survey involving in-person interviews as well as physical examinations. So they want to actually see the tits to see if they can see if they had br babies hanging off them or not. But, you know, I was um, the youngest of four boys, and I was the first one that was not breastfed because in the interim between my uh, next older brother and me, this character, Dr. Spock, came out and started, like, just fucking making everything hell for all the mothers. And he was saying, do all this wacky shit. And, the, of course, my mother was this, you know, fucking... Uh, you know, New York Times, you know, left-wing fucking commie, New York uh, Jewish type who did everything, you know, that was the latest thing. So when he said stop breastfeeding the kid, that it was bad for them, somehow the after the <laughs> quarter of a billion years that we've been doing it, it turns out it's not so good. And he recommended only, you know, formula. And I was the one that was put on the formula. Al-Qaeda has rebuilt, and that, if tell me that doesn't explain everything right there, my friend. Al-Qaeda has rebuilt some of its pre-September 11 capabilities from remote hiding places in Pakistan, leading to a major spike in attacks last year in that country and neighboring Afghanistan, according to the Bush administration today. Attacks in Pakistan more than doubled from 375 to 887 between 06 and 07, and the number of fatalities jumped by almost 300%. From 335 to 1,335, the State Department said in its annual terrorism report. In Afghanistan, the number of tax attacks rose 16 percent uh, to 12 1,127 incidents last year, killing 1,966 people, 55 percent more than those who died in 06. The report said attacks in Iraq dipped slightly between 06 and 07, but they still accounted for 60% of worldwide terrorism fatalities, including 17 of the 19 Americans who were killed in attacks last year. The other two were killed in Afghanistan. More than 22,000 people were killed by terrorists around the world in 07, 8% more than in 06. Uh, the report once again identifies Iran as the world's most active state sponsor of terrorism for supporting Palestinian extremists and insurgents in Iraq and Afghanistan, where it says elements of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps continue to give militants weapons, training, and funding. So there's your war on terrorism. Seems to be going great. It's little Stevie on Jester Radio. Boy is born in Hobtown, Mississippi, surrounded by four walls that ain't so pretty. And he the says, you know what, I, I gotta get to the city. Strong, moving in the right direction, living just enough. Just so many people have come and gone. 
daughter's woman to take your seat. He got the power, oh, she got the need. She spends her life through pleasing up a man, feeds him dinner, oh, anything she can. She cries alone at night too often. He smokes and drinks and don't come home at all. Only women bleed. Only women bleed. Only women bleed. Man makes your hair gray. He's your life's mistake. All you're really looking for's an even break. He lies right at you. Once in a while, and you live in love and pain. She cries alone at night too often. He smokes and drinks and don't come home at all. Ooh. Only women bleed. Only women bleed. Only women bleed. Passionate and uh, endearing song from the master of uh, the dark, Alice Cooper. Man's got his woman to take his seed. He's got the power. She's got the need. She spends her life pleasing up her man. She feeds him dinner or anything she can. She cries alone at night too often. He smokes and drinks and don't come home at all. Only women bleed. Alice Cooper on Jester Radio. We heard from uh, Marianne Faithful before that and the Ballad of Lucy Jordan. Somehow uh, fucked the pooch on the um, little Stevie before that. So we'll see if we can get that back out to you uh, this evening. 
Uh, you're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio this uh, Wednesday, April the 30th. And uh, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room. Uh, why not stop by and say hi at www.jesterradio.com. Scrambling to shore up the faltering economy, the Federal Reserve cut interest rates to the lowest point in nearly four years today as the nation teetered on the edge of a recession. Wall Street rallied at first, but then pulled back, concerned that the reduction might be uh, the last for a long while. In fact, the Fed's trim was smaller than those of recent months amid indications that the central bank might pause to see if months of powerful rate-cutting medicine, billions of dollars in stimulus checks, will be enough to lift the country out of its slump. Hint, not enough. Chairman Ben Bernanke led a divided Fed in an 8-2 vote and slicing its key rate by one-quarter percentage to 2% and turned the prime lending rate for millions of consumers and businesses fell by the corresponding amount to 5%. The prime rate applies to certain credit cards, home equity lines of credit, and other loans. Both rates are the lowest now since 2004. The Federal Reserve, which has been dropping rates since last September, turned much more forceful early this year, when housing credit and financial problems worsened, rate reductions in January and March alone marked the most aggressive intervention in a quarter century in an effort to re-energize consumers and businesses. So who, in fact, is this Federal Reserve? Are they some kind of branch of the government? In fact, they're a independent bank uh, that um, is just a commercial bank that loans money um literally cash they're the only ones who can issue cash and they loan it at a percentage rate and they act like they're lowering the rate to do everybody a favor when in fact they're mandated by law to uh, adjust the rate to the uh, to the uh, economy and it's their fucking fault because every single nickel that they issue is um comes with uh, debt why did we why did we even invent a system like that well because nobody had any fucking idea back in 1908 when they were forming the federal banking system that that's what was going on it was a scam and guess who was on the board of directors in 1908 of the federal banking authority that was um now holding you know over the past 100 years has been holding the US uh, literally hostage um, with with every single uh, penny that it issues, it also issues debt. Uh, and who was it that was sitting on the board of directors back in 1908? Preston Bush. You heard me. Meanwhile, President Dwight D. Eisenhower overruled some of his military commanders in the summer of 1958, ordering them not to use nuclear weapons against China if communist forces blockaded the Taiwan Strait, according to now declassified Air Force documents, Eisenhower made it clear that the Chinese would be given a warning with conventional explosives before he would authorize dropping of the deadlier ordinance on Chinese territories, according to the documents made public by George Washington University's National Security Archive. The president had the support of a congressional resolution to use force in defense of Taiwan. This is in 1958 when China invaded Taiwan. His decision not to use nuclear weapons still left them available if needed for subsequent attacks, according to the newly released narrative by a contemporary Air Force historian, Bernard C. Nolte. Disclosure of the top secret document was one in a collection obtained by a Freedom of Information lawsuit 
filed by the archive after more than a decade of requests that the documents be declassified. As the crisis grew, according to these papers, five B-47 bombers on Guam went on alert in mid-August to conduct uh, nuclear raids against Chinese airfields. The idea of uh, using nuclear weapons to prevent the Chinese from using ships and aircraft to isolate the nationalist-held islands in the strait was accepted by Eisenhower's cabinet, except for uh, Secretary of State John Forster Dulles, who was away on vacation. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Air Force General Nathan F. Twining, had explained at a cabinet meeting that the U.S. planes would drop 10 to 15 kiloton nuclear bombs in the vicinity of Amoy, a coastal city uh, on the Taiwan Strait now called Jemen. The idea was that the Chinese would have to lift their blockade, otherwise uh, the U.S. would then proceed to nuke their uh, airfields. But Eisenhower ruled out the initial use of nuclear weapons, concluding that the fallout would cause civilian casualties in China and Taiwan, risking nuclear escalation. The Pacific Air Force Commander General Lawrence K. Uh, S. Cooter, whose operations plan had assumed the United States would carry out nuclear strikes as necessary to defeat attacking Chinese commies, characterized the idea of a limited response as disastrous. As tensions grew... Chinese artillery fired thousands of rounds against Big and Little Kimoy, but there was no evidence a Chinese invasion was in the works. Eisenhower approved the recommendations by the Joint Chiefs of Staff to strengthen Taiwan's air defenses in the 7th Fleet. The U.S.-backed Nationalist Air Force shot down 32 commie MiG fighters during the crisis. So it wasn't a total loss. We came that close to pushing the red button. 1958, two senators have asked the Pentagon to reopen the investigation into Air Force officials' efforts to influence the award of a $50 million contract, urging investigators to focus on the actions of key service leaders. Just Radio has learned the chairman and the top Republican of the Senate Armed Services Committee have asked the Defense Department Inspector General to determine if there were any criminal or ethic violations or failures of leadership particularly by senior Air Force officials. Panel Chairman Carl Levin of Michigan and Republican Senator John McCain of Arizona in a letter dated Monday and obtained by Jester Radio today said, the investigation raised serious questions about the actions of senior Air Force officials. Levin and McCain's letter does not mention General Michael Mosley, the Air Force Chief of Staff, who was linked to the scandal, though uh, not directly blamed. Additionally, another committee member, Senator Claire uh, McCaskill from uh, Missouri, spoke to Air Force Secretary Michael Wynn uh, today to express her anger that Mosley was not reprimanded for his involvement in the contract issue. Late last week, the Pentagon IG found that the 2005 contract to promote the Thunderbirds aerial stunt team was tainted by improper influence and preferential treatment. <gasps> No, I find this impossible to believe. In response, Air Force Secretary Michael Wynn took administrative action against Major General Stephen M. Goldfine, who was the commander responsible for the Thunderbirds at the time, as well as two other guys, and referred action on two additional personnel to their commanders. So they probably got a look of very severe spanking. Hey, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Wednesday, April the 30th. It's a little Phil Oaks I'd for like you. I'd like to do a song about fate. 
called There But For Fortune, a song written for me by Miss Joan Baez. Show me a prison man whose face is growing pale And I'll show you a young man With many reasons why And there but for fortune may go you or I Show me an alley Show me a train Show me a hobo Who sweeps out in the rain And I'll show you a young man With many reasons why And there but for fortune May go you or I Show me the whiskey Stains on the floor Show me a drunken man As he stumbles out the door And I'll show you a young man With many reasons why And there but for Show me the ruins of the buildings once so tall And I'll show you a young land with so many reasons why And there but for fortune may go you or I
Brothers on Just Radio. The Blue Eyed Soul. Sun ain't gonna shine anymore. The four tops before that. Standing in the shadows of love. Getting ready for the heartaches to come. Phil Oak started that set there, but for Fortune. Had a little problem on that one, too. Having nothing but problems this evening. Which just goes to show you what a professional station that we are. Not just some kind of basement fly by night, you know shithole but a genuine uh, downtown radio uh, station a teenager home alone by the way you tuned into the rovings of acclaim this wednesday april the 30th a teenager home alone pulled bed sheets over her head to hide from two intruders this is in lithopolis ohio and she sent a text message to her mother who's then called 911 and arrested the two guys lauren dumbau who's 13 years old didn't go to school on Tuesday and was home when she heard someone open an unlocked rear door. She climbed into bed and hid under the covers as the suspects began ransacking the rooms in the house about 15 miles southeast of Columbus. Oh, my God, they're in the house. I think we're being robbed, Dernbaugh said in the text message to her mother, uh, Margot Ruby, who's 53 years old. She was working at a car dealership about 15 minutes away. She uh, raced home, called 911, Back at the house, the intruders roamed from room to room, and at one point, 
sat on this kid's bed. And they were going through her stuff. They didn't know she was there the whole time, according to Sheriff Dave Phelan. Uh, Roby arrived home, rammed her vehicle into the back of the suspect's car, parked in the driveway. Uh, one of the suspects, Jenna Marie Burns, came out of the house, and Roby wrestled with her. As sheriff's deputies and Lithopolis police chief arrived, I ran to get my daughter. She was shaking like a leaf. Jewelry, a laptop computer, a digital camera, and a toolbox were among the items the intruders had set outside, apparently to be uh, you know, carried away. Uh, Roby said she blamed herself for failing to lock the door when she went to work, but she's proud of how her daughter handled herself. After we cried, she said, wow, I can't believe I did that. Burns, 20, of Orient, and Jeremiah Lee Fife, 26, of Lockbourne, were arrested and charged with burglary. Burns was also charged with robbery. Both remained in a county jail Wednesday on a $100,000 bond. Burns' mother, Virginia, said the daughter is only guilty of bad association. I think my daughter has made the wrong choice in people, and now she's going to pay for the price of that association, she said. I believe in my daughter. She's a good-hearted individual, but she made a bad decision, and she'll pay for the price of it. This is according to the mother of the uh, daughter. She's only guilty by bad association. She didn't actually go into the house. Uh, If convicted, uh, Burns faces a maximum of 16 years in prison, and uh, on the burglary, Fife uh, faces eight years of prison. Because why one is being... Uh, and not both uh, are being prosecuted for robbery, which means somebody was in the house. I don't know. I don't know why. Newspaper carrier Bruce Pitts knew the elderly couple only by the prayers the wife made for him while he was working at night and in bad weather, but he felt something was wrong when the papers piled up outside their home in St. Louis. It was never like them to leave a newspaper in there, too, Pitts said. That wonderful small voice inside my head said, this isn't right. After his route early Sunday, he went home. He took a brief nap. And then with his wife, he returned to Blanche and Fred Roberts' home just outside of Marion, Illinois. They repeatedly rang the doorbell but got no answer. Pitts then eased open an unlocked side door and saw the couple about two feet inside. 84-year-old Blanche Roberts, helpless, looking back at Pitts. Her right leg was pinned beneath the body of her 77-year-old husband, Fred, who apparently had died last Wednesday of a heart attack after mowing the lawn. The good Lord was with her. She was not scared, wasn't panicking, Pitt said in a phone interview. She was conscious, talking, just peaceful. It was remarkable. Her only request was for water. She knew her name and her relatives, but described her husband as sleeping. Uh, according to Pitts, who delivers the Southern Illinoisian, Illinoisian, uh, which is published in nearby Carbondale. Pitts described Blanche Roberts as frail and petite. Fred Roberts was a good-sized man, according to the Williamson County, Illinois coroner, Mike Burke, although he declined to be specific. Good, I mean, he was probably, you know, a big old fucking boy and uh, had this poor little tiny little woman pinned down. For, you know, four days. The coroner said Fred Roberts likely died of a heart attack based on accounts from the Roberts visitors that day. They said he was really beat red in the face and that he didn't look good. Blanche Roberts was taken to a hospital in nearby Heron. The hospital uh, yesterday wouldn't confirm whether she's still being treated there. Pitts said the couple's relatives told his wife on Monday that she was doing fine. 
Uh, he's delivered on that route for three years, but said he never met the Robertses before. Uh, but he thinks fondly of Blanche Roberts, who often tipped him in letters and was known to Pitts and his wife as the prayer lady. Because in her missives, Blanche would say, I've been praying for you at night whenever the weather's bad, realizing you're out in it delivering your papers. We always say a little prayer back, he said. What do you think of that? She said a little prayer for him because he's riding around in the in the rain, in the dark, and he prayed back. So that's the way it goes. One prayer washes the other, is what I always say. You know, <laughs> you know that story, right? What about this story? You know about this girl, Sherry? She had a pawn shop band of gold and a sink full of dishes and a love grown cold. And along came a boy, purty as the devil, and she took his hand and the whole thing unraveled. There's no turning round. Broke down. Slade Cleaves on JR. Sherry had a pawn shop bound of gold, a sink full of dishes, and a love grown cold. Long came a boy, pretty as the devil. She took his hand, the whole thing unraveled. There's no turning round, it's broke down. Billy took the ring. Jammed it in his pocket Drove downtown And tried to hawk it Down at the bottom Of Lake Pontchartrain There's a love note carved Inside a wedding ring Broke down Cracked it and shattered Left in pieces Like it never even mattered Broke down Torn and frayed Turning round, it's broke down. Ain't no telling where love goes, baby. Down where the black river flows, won't be coming back round. It's broke down. Baby in the back seat and a Another on the way Sherry thinks of Billy At the end of every day Spends her nights waiting For real life to start Listening to the sound Of her double-crossed heart Broke down Cracked it and shattered Left in pieces Like it never even mattered There's no turning round It's broke down Side of town, two lovers lie still, cigarette smoking on a windowsill. There's a picture locked up in an old suitcase. Billy closes his eyes, but he still sees her face. Broke down, cracked it and shattered, left in pieces like it never even mattered. Broke down, torn and frayed. Turning round, it's broke down. Broke down, 
lips and my hands in the chill down at the seven and She's gone. She left town. Town burned down. Nothing left but the sound of the front door closing forever. Gentle rain falls on me, and all life folds back into the sea. We contemplate eternity beneath the vast indifference of heaven. The late great Warren Zevon 
on Jester Radio. Slade Cleaves before that broke down. Beautiful uh, little kind of heartbreaking uh, story song of uh, two folks that uh, just don't get it together. She succumbs to a little affair and he breaks his heart and now, you know, baby in the back seat, another on the way. Sherry thinks of Billy at the end of every day, spends her nights waiting for her real life to start, listening to the sound of her double-crossed heart. And on the other side of town, two lovers lie still, cigarette smoking on a windowsill. There's a picture locked up in an old suitcase. Billy closes his eyes, but he still sees her face. Broke down, cracked, and shattered, left in pieces like it never even mattered. Broke down, torn, and frayed. Ain't nothing left you can give away. There's no turning round. It's broke down. Slade Cleaves. You're tuning into the Ravings of a Clown this Wednesday, April the 30th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Me, moi, I. Why, no one special, no one important, no big deal. Just your old pal, your humble servant, your slave, the jester. Coming to you from a secret location outside your universe, a dog was found alive and in relatively good shape after spending eight days trapped in the rubble of a building that exploded, critically injuring the uh, little puppy's owner in Breckenridge, Colorado, Lulu, a Springer Spaniel. You heard me. Lulu! Apparently named after the Honeymooners episode of the same name, was rescued on Sunday after the owner of the business that had been housed in the two-story building heard her whimpering. We turned off the radio and started calling out her name, and then we heard her yelping, said Brian Holt, owner of Good Times Adventures. Uh, Lulu's owner, Brian Mislansky, has been critically injured from the April 19th explosion and remained in St. Anthony Central Hospital in Denver. Uh, I'm happy, Mislansky told Jester Radio. He declined to comment further, but friends who are caring for Lulu said that they took her to visit him with permission from the hospital. Veterinarian Christine Murphy said that Lulu suffered mild hydra- uh, dehydration and had some trauma to her left eye. She probably survived by drinking the melting snow and eating food that she found in the debris. Good Times Adventures is a snowmobiling and dog sledding business. Ms. Lansky, a company van driver, was house-sitting for managers who lived in the upstairs apartment when the whole building just fucking blew, just went kablooey. Holt said that he was sorting through about 6,000 square feet of rubble from the explosion when he heard Lulu. After 45 minutes of frantic digging, we found her laying in a crawl space about... Uh, under uh, about 15 feet of rubble, he said. She basically had a two-story building on top of her. Fire officials said it could be a week or two before the cause of the explosion is known, but they didn't believe that it was intentional or criminal. The hospital said it uh, couldn't uh, discuss Ms. Lansky's condition. So we don't know. He's pretty fucked up, we hear, but at least he's got his doggie back. Holy crap, that's got to go a long way to making you uh, feel better. A Greek court has been asked to draw the line between the natives of the agency island of Lesbos and the world's gay women, three islanders from Lesbos, home of the ancient poet Sappho, who praised love between women, have taken a gay rights group to court for using the word lesbian in its name. One of the plaintiffs said, 
uh, today that the name of the association, Homosexual and Lesbian Community of Greece, insults the identity of the people of Lesbos, who are also known as lesbians. My sister can't say she's a lesbian, says Demetrius Lambrow. Our geographical designation has been usurped by certain ladies who have no connection whatsoever with Lesbos, she said. The three plaintiffs are seeking to have the group banned from using the word lesbian in its name and filed a lawsuit on April 10th. The other two plaintiffs are surprisingly women. Also called Mytilene after its capital Lesbos is famed as the birthplace of the poet Sappho. The island is a favorite holiday destination for gay women, particularly the lyric poet's reputed home in Erisos. This is not an aggressive act against gay women, Lambrow said. Let them visit Lesbos and get married and whatever they like. We just want them to remove the word lesbian from the title. He said the plaintiffs targeted the group because it's the only officially registered gay group in Greece to use the word lesbian in its name. So they had to go hunting for somebody to sue. The case will be heard in Athens court on June 10th. Sappho lived there. Uh, from the late 7th to the early 6th century B.C. is considered one of the greatest poets of antiquity. Many of her poems, written in the first person and intended to be accompanied by music, contain passionate references to love for other women. Lambrow said the word lesbian has only been linked with gay women in the past few decades. But we have been lesbians for thousands of years, she said. Um, she publishes a small magazine on ancient Greek religion and technology, that frequently criticizes the Christian church. Very little is known of this uh, Sappho's life. According to some ancient accounts, she was an aristocrat who married a rich merchant and had a daughter with him. One tradition says that she killed herself by jumping off a cliff after an unhappy love affair. Lambrow says Sappho was not gay, but even if we assume she was, how can 250,000 people of lesbian descent, including women, be considered homosexual. The homosexual and lesbian community of Greece could not be reached for comment. And let me tell you, believe me, believe me, we tried. So they just don't want everybody thinking that if you say you're a lesbian, you're from Lesbos. And let's face it, who the fuck thinks that? A working-class suburb of Chile's capital began handing out free Viagra to senior citizens today. Lo Prado Mayor Gonzalo Navarat said that he launched the program because an active sexuality improves your overall quality of life. Well, fucking A. About 1,500 residents of the working class area are eligible to receive as many as four pills of the erectile dysfunction, dr dysfunction drug each month, said the mayor. They have to be at least 60 and registered with the municipality's health service. The doctor will have to certify that they, you know, have trouble getting a boner and that their condition would not put them in danger of suffering cardiorespiratory side effects, uh, Navarrete told Jester Radio by telephone. He said that he assured about uh, $10,000 U.S. in financing for the program through the end of the year. Some government insurance plans in the U.S. and elsewhere provide Viagra, but Lo Prado hands the 50-milligram pills out for free with no membership in any public or private insurance plan required. Navarrete said some other mayors in Santiago, which include uh, 34 municipalities, have told him they plan similar programs. Navarrete said he did not know how many pills had been distributed so far. But you could just walk down the street in Chile, in Santiago, and you could see who's getting the pills. Let's face it. And let's face it, if they can afford to do it, 
if the if their government is so rich that they can afford to hand out Viagra because it keeps sixty year old geezers happy, fucking a man. I'm sure they're running up and down the street screaming, "Can't keep it in, can't hide it, and I can't lock it away." It's Cat Stevens on Jest Radio from before he sucked.
Could not kiss, just regress. It might just be clear, simple, and plain. That's just fine. That's just one of my names. Don't let the days go by. Could have been easier on you. Glycerine. Bush on Jester Radio. That's one the Jesterettes and I used to have a lot of fun uh, discussing. Uh, it's quite cryptic, probably uh, ultimately vapid. But it's a fascinating lyric and a great song. We used to, you know how like most uh, dads read um, books to their kids. Well, when the girls were little, I used to we, we used to listen to songs and try and figure out what all the lyrics meant. And sometimes we'd do like a cool, you know, heavy song, and sometimes we'd do one that just was like that. So uh, 
it just uh, I don't think we ever figured it out. Cat Stevens before that can't keep it in from the what album? Catch Bullet Four album, I think, which I think is like around seventy four. And of course, shortly after, he became you know uh, part of the Islamic uh, cult thing, and they told him. Uh, that he couldn't uh, write, you know, secular music anymore. So he started writing like that yodel uh, Arabic music after that. <sighs> Wholly unlistenable. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio this Wednesday, April the 30th. So what if they rage through traffic, cause at least one accident a day, and barely stop for passengers, drivers of Mexico City's rickety old Pacero buses, say they deserve tips for their harrowing rides. Since the city approved a fare hike only for newer buses, the union representing Pacero drivers say passengers will be asked to pay tips of at least 50 cents Mexican, or about a nickel U.S., on top of their normal fares to cover gasoline maintenance and driver training. <laughs> the uh, green and white Paceros are 20 years old on average, causing major pollution and at least one accident a day, officials say. But drivers say uh, can't afford to replace them. How can the government demand we give first-class service with third-rate bus fares, Union Chief Jose Luis Tenoro said today. So the passengers are going to be asked to cough up an extra nickel. But for them, it's worth a lot more. And they <laughs> it goes to gas. Could you imagine after paying your fare on the bus, the bus driver comes over and says, hey, can you kick a little in for gas? This is what's going on in Mexico. No wonder they think it's okay to fucking uh, run across the river. A 38-year-old Redding man who walked naked along a highway after being uh, thrown into the woods following a crash is being charged with a variety of crimes. Police say John Messerly uh, was driving his employer's minivan on April 4th when he climbed out of the window and stood on the roof. He was thrown into the woods when the van crashed. Police say then he stripped naked and led the officers on the chase. <laughs> he had to stop to strip down, though. He probably lost a couple of seconds right there. In an interview with the Reading Eagle, Messerly denied climbing onto the roof. He said he was adjusting lumber that had come loose. Uh, then he was thrown from the vehicle. And he said he stripped himself naked just to check himself for injuries. <laughs> he needed to see if he had an injury on his dick. Messerly is charged with risking a catastrophe, indecent exposure, resisting arrest, driving while intoxicated, and some other offenses they haven't figured out yet. Thirteen members of a high school lacrosse team have been disciplined for bearing their asses on which was written a prom invitation from one of the players to a chick. Carolyn Campbell, a senior at Huron High School in Ann Arbor, Michigan, accepted the invitation to go to the prom with fellow senior Christoph Wennerstein. The varsity lacrosse players displayed the question, will you go to the prom with me, yes or no, on their bottoms, which they bared during a junior varsity game on Thursday. Officials suspended the 13 players for an undetermined number of games, ordered them to perform 20 hours of community service. They were also suspended from school for a day. Inappropriate is inappropriate, school athletic director Dottie Davis told the Ann Arbor News. It disrespects women, and that's the clear message we have to uh, have the students understand. What may be fun to them isn't necessarily fun to everyone else. Campbell accepted the invitation by patting the back of the player who displayed the word yes. 
<laughs> one guy's ass said yes, and one guy's ass said no, and she went over and touched the ass with yes. People get pretty creative with the prom. Anyone who's done anything has been pretty outlandish, she said. This is pretty epic, I would say. I don't think it will become uh, this big of a deal. Wennerstein said that he understood the decision to discipline him and his teammates, adding, I still enjoyed every bit of it. I don't know if that's uh, sexual harassment, to show your ass to somebody. Is that really such a shock? Mysterious middle-of-the-night blasts and flashes of light have residents of Pikesville, Maryland, puzzled for months now, and now a man has been charged with fireworks-related violations. Frederick Lee Mackler, 59, was denied bail today on charges of possession of fireworks without a permit, reckless endangerment, and controlled dangerous substance violations. The arrest announced yesterday came days after police in the Baltimore suburb set up cameras and recorded the flashes that lit up the area the size of a football field. After examining shadows created by the explosions and other clues, the cops concluded that they came from Meckler's fourth-floor condo. Investigators later searched his home and found pyrotechnics, illegal narcotics, and firearms. Prosecutor Kristen Bloomer said Meckler used a starter's pistol to fire cartridges into the air. The cartridges are designed to scare away birds. He told police he had been mad at his neighbor's uh, Bloomer said she did not know why he was upset with the neighbors. Neighbors said that they had heard the noises repeatedly since September, always between midnight and dawn, accompanied by bright flashes. Neighbor Barbara Friedman said the first time she heard the blast, she thought someone was shooting at her. Utility workers had ruled out electrical problems or gas leaks that could explain the problem. Police had also looked in vain for 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 burn marks on the ground. But he was clever. He was launching them off his balcony. Hmm. I don't know. Hey, uh, you've been listening to the Roovings of Acclaim this Thursday, uh, rather Wednesday, April the 30th, the last day of April, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thanks so very much for stopping by and spending a little of your time with us this evening. It means so much to us. Remember, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. It's not about you, even when you're in the room. Don't make assumptions, and always, always do your best. That's the most important thing. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. That's my solemn oath to you. Until that time, sunshine, blue sky, please go away. My girl has found another and gone away. With her went my future. My life is filled with gloom. So day after day... I stay locked up in my room. I know to you, it may sound strange, but I wish it would rain. Good night. See you tomorrow. Sunshine, blue skies, please go away. A girl has found another and gone away With her went my future My life is filled with gloom So day after day I stay locked up in my room I know to you It might sound strange But I wish it would rain Oh yeah, 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 yeah Knows 
supposed to cry Listen, I gotta cry Cause crying is the pain, oh yeah Even this hurt I feel inside Words could never explain I just wish it would rain Teardrop, and no one will ever know that I'm crying, crying. 